Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer, which brings hope, if not a guarantee, for a future Reds Hall of Fame hopeful. We'll tell you who and why on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr, and it is not Aloha Friday. I know I've confused you with the shirt. It's because I just came off the golf course. Eat your heart out, Ohio, with your eight inches of snow. But we're going to help warm you up today because we're going to be talking about passion, our passion for baseball, our passion for the Cincinnati Reds. And we're going to take that passion and we're going to turn it into information for you. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about Scott Rowland. He was elected to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, settle down. He is not going in as a Red. He's going to go in as a Cardinal or a Philly. But... It does make us wonder about the next member of the Reds organization to potentially go into baseball's hall. Uh, Scott Rowland's induction also has us wondering where exactly he ranks amongst Reds' third baseman. Uh, Jeff, that's probably a good place to start talking about Scott Rowland being inducted in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and before we get to where he ranks in Reds history amongst the other third basemen that have played for this organization, let's talk a little bit about Scott because, you know, he didn't just blow the doors off the hall to get in. As a matter of fact, right. he kind of just squeaked in a little bit. You know, it takes 75% of the vote, which is ridiculous. This, this way that people are elected to the hall of fame, Scott Rowland got 76.3%. So he just squeaked by 1.3%. You know how I am with numbers. I like to look at the numbers uh are you surprised that it was such a narrow margin for him to get in no and, and it stems from the fact that his first year on the ballot he only got 10 percent of the vote so somehow in a couple of years time he actually improved his standing with the writers which that's a whole nother subject as to how people are elected into the hall of fame after all. But when it came to Scott Rowland making it into the hall of fame, in fact, a lot of reaction from fans around the league is that, well, if he's in, why isn't this guy or like, especially the fact that he made it in at 76.3% and Todd Helton missed it at 72% Todd Helton. He had a pretty good career too. So I, I look at this and I say, you know, I'm very excited that Scott Rowland made. I think that he is deserving. I think he had a career that shows he is a hall of famer, but the fact that he made it and the way that he made it gives me so much hope. If not gives me a assurance that Joseph Daniel Votto will one day be a hall of famer. It's not a bad argument. I mean, I've always looked at war as a good indicator for if a person's a Hall of Famer or not. And it's probably safe to use a magic number when you're when you're doing that. For me, it's always been like 55 war. Uh, and there's some people, if they have Tony Perez's stats memorized, are yelling at the screen right now. But 55 <laughs> war is kind of like the cutoff point for me. And Scott Rowland had 70 
war. So in my mind, he's clearly a Hall of Famer. In addition to being a 70 war player uh, over the course of his playing career, he won eight gold gloves and was a seven time all-star Jeff. So he, you know, he did some things. And to, to relate that back now to what it means for Joey Votto, uh, you know, I've said for several years now, and you've said for several years now that Joey Votto is already a hall of famer. Joey Votto currently sits at 64.3 wins above replacement. You know, I don't know if Joey's going to be able to get to 70. Uh, we talked about this off air a little bit. I think that that's a, that's a big mountain for Joey to climb over the next couple of seasons to get to 70. Uh, but I think that if he stopped playing today, 64.3 is enough. That's enough to get him into baseball's hall of fame. And, and, and you said back to me when I said that in prep, that he wouldn't be a first ballot hall of famer. And that's just part more of the ridiculousness that is the way people are elected to the Hall of Fame. You know, it's not like between the first and the third ballot that they go out and play some more and improve their numbers. It's just a total ego thing that these baseball writers do, and it drives me bonkers. Uh, But for me, Joey Votto has nothing left to prove to be a Hall of Famer. This is about individual accomplishment. It's one of the few things within this game where we really focus on individual accomplishment. So World Series rings, playoff success, none of that matters. This is about Joey Votto's counting stats and his performance as a Major League Baseball player. And I think he's in when the time comes. I agree. And and the whole idea of is he a first ballot, is he a second, third ballot? You know what? When you get in, you're in. And I don't think any Hall of Famer is sitting there thinking, well, darn it, I was only a second ballot Hall of Famer. No, they're Hall of Famer. That's that's the end of the story here. And, and the whole voting thing, I, I think that there is a discussion to be had about just revamping the whole thing, that it should be former players that vote them in. But that's that's a topic for another day. Looking at this, the way that you are a Hall of Famer in my mind, and people say, well, Scott Rowland's in the Hall of Very Good. Those people are only looking at his hitting statistics. He is a Hall of Fame defensive third baseman. He set the standard for defense at the hot corner. I think that, you know, right now, recency bias is saying that Nolan Arenado is that guy. I think if you stack those two up, I think Nolan Arenado says that Scott Rowland is the better defender because Scott Rowland made every play. There was no play that went toward third base that he could not make, whether you're talking about ranging into foul territory, grabbing a ground ball that was fair as it passed the bag, turning a double play, you know, all this different stuff, catching a line drive that like catches you off your feet, stuff like that. Like if you're a hall of famer, you're notable for something. He was notable for his glove. And that's where I think that you, you bring it back to Joey. Joey is notable for getting on base. Very few players have gotten on base as well as Joseph Daniel Votto has. So I think I look at this and I don't even necessarily compare the war and things like that, which it depends on how many more years. I think for me, if I believe Joey Votto can get to 70, I think if he plays three, he gets there. If he plays two, he probably misses it by one. He probably fixes, you know, finishes his career with 69. But I, I think overall, that doesn't necessarily mean he's not a Hall of Famer or he is, whether or not he gets to 70. I think he already is right now. You know, and if you want to look at it through a different lens, if we want to not look at war 
as the the be all end all when it comes to uh, the Hall of Fame cutoff. We can talk about OPS plus for just a second, Jeff, mm-hmm. because you know Scott Rowland for his career. Now we'll get into a little bit. Uh, we'll break down within his career uh, coming up in the next segment when we talk about Scott Rowland's place in Reds history. But for his career, uh, Scott Rowland had an OPS plus of 122 for his career, 22% above league average. When you compare that to Joseph Daniel Votto and his career, Joey Votto's career OPS plus is 145, 45% above league average. That's pretty good, as they say. That's pretty good. And and, and Steve, just, uh, I think it's awesome that Scott Rowland made it. I thought he was deserving. The fact that he made it, though, just underscores the confidence that I have that one day Joey Votto will also be going into Cooperstown, and that savings account that you and I are putting together to go to Cooperstown for that induction will go to good use. But you know what, Steve, when it comes to Scott Rowland making the Hall of Fame, it has me thinking about something because where does a guy like him who played for three and a half to, you know, depending on who you ask, three and a half, four years, whatever, as a rep, uh, what does that mean for him in the upper echelon of Red's third baseman? Where does he rank? You know what? We're, we're, we're going to discuss that coming up next. Before we talk about that, though, like to talk to you about today's sponsor and that's fan duel we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for locked on because they are the number one sports book in america fan duel and if you're new to fan duel that's even better they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy new customers can join today and they get started with 150 dollars in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to the point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. I love to do those all the time, especially on Bengals games. I mean, Jamar Chase, the yards, the touchdowns. You got Joey burrow with the throws i almost said joey Votto with the throws he could probably throw uh you got joe mixon rushing like all these wonderful stats can get you paid you know you love the same game parlay steve do they let you pick the over on every bet that you make Uh, this is kind of the deal breaker for you right were you able (laughs) to always take the over when you created your FanDuel account absolutely you know it because I always take the over. And speaking of the Bengals, they are favored this Sunday at Arrowhead in the AFC championship game. That's right. This line opened as the Bengals being underdogs by one and a half points. Now they're favored by one and a half points. It's interesting to see. I think that's the response to uh, Patrick Mahomes's ankle. But you know what? As uh, Joe Burrow says, he's never an underdog. By the way, you can do all this on an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. So don't miss out today. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook sponsor of the NFL. 
And by the way, now that sports betting is legal in the state of Ohio, Locked On has the perfect show to help new and seasoned gamblers. Download and subscribe to Locked On Bets for daily picks and analysis. You can do that wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Nick Kroll has said the team is on the field, a.k.a. the roster is set. Do we agree? We'll find out tomorrow. But Steve, with Scott Rowland making it into the Hall of Fame, it's got us thinking about where he ranks amongst Reds' third baseman. Now, again, he's had a career that's much shorter than some guys, whether you're talking about Pete Rose, whether you're talking about Heine Groh, whether you're talking about Chris Sabo, I still think that puts pretty much all those guys ahead of him. Scott Rowland, he, he's a Hall of Famer, but when it comes to his Reds career, he's kind of down on the list as far as third baseman. Well, let's, let's break this out. As you said, three and a half seasons, you know, he came over for part of a year from Toronto to Cincinnati, uh, then played three additional seasons with the reds during his time as a red. If we break down his career, as I mentioned earlier, he has a career 122 OPS plus during his time with the Cincinnati reds, though, it was nowhere near as good. As a matter of fact, uh, he was just barely a squeak above league average. Uh, for his time with the Reds at 105 OPS plus. So only 5% better than league average. So if we're going to talk about where he ranks in franchise history amongst Reds third baseman, it's not very high at all. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll throw the gauntlet down right now and, and say that he's way down the list. And if we're going to talk about guys uh, in this segment that are better than Scott Rowland, only looking at their career as Reds, mind you, but we want to talk about guys that are better. I'm taking Willie Green in that draft because Willie Green, <laughs> Willie Green's OPS plus was 107 during his time in Cincinnati. So he was better than Scott Rowland. So, you know, I'm happy for Scott Rowland being a Hall of Famer and his career numbers say that he he warrants it. And I saw the Reds tweeted out a thing congratulating him and all of him in wearing Reds gear and all that. Listen, this is not the part of Scott Rowland's career that we are celebrating. It is not his time in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, I know the Reds are looking for any little thing that's good that they can seize a hold of. And this ain't it. Yeah. Raise your hand. If you thought you'd hear Willie green's name on today's podcast, Willie green, baby. Let the record show nobody's raising their hand. Yeah, no. Uh, when it comes to Scott Rowland's career, we really got him in the twilight. We did not get him in the prime. He still had an amazing year there in 2010, but overall, his impact was more so on the locker room and and as uh, C. Trent wrote, you know, changing the culture of the team and the players in the locker room. So it wasn't necessarily seen in the stat sheet. He was still fine defensively, still very very good defensively. But he wasn't that like all world caliber that we saw when the Reds played the Cardinals for most of his career. So he was a gamer, is what you're saying. He's a ball player. Gamer. He's a locker room force. The locker room king, you know, and <clears throat> all the Kyle it Farmer is, uh, quotes there. Right. It is. It is interesting yeah. just looking through snippets of reds history and just seeing where guys rate compared to like what we saw from scott Rowland. so you know again 105 during his time as a red so it made me curious how other notable reds third baseman actually compared so the next place i want to jump to uh in this is uh everybody's favorite lovable goggle wearing 
third baseman who just recently, I think as a result of my uh, comments on Friday, uh, was added to the Reds caravan in order to spice up uh, the uh, the players that were coming along. And that is Chris Sabo, uh, Chris Sabo during his time, seven years as a Red. Uh, and his OPS plus numbers are really interesting. If you're looking for some fun with math, just go look at uh, Chris Sabo's baseball reference and look at, you know, his OPS plus in Cincinnati and then everywhere else uh, for the Reds. Chris Sabo for his career was one eleven, you know, 11% better than league average. So I would take him over Willie green. So, you know, we're working our way up the ladder, Jeff. That's Wait a minute. You're saying Chris Sabo was better than Willie green. By a skosh, 107 a skosh. to 111. <laughs> We're really getting hot takey here in this segment, Steve. I don't know. I don't know if people can handle this. Uh, no, yeah, Chris Sabo for sure. Uh, Pete Rose is ahead of him there at third base. Although I think this brings up an interesting thought, like talking about Pete Rose's career on the field. Uh, is he a third baseman? Like what is the position that we consider Pete Rose? Because he played so- a lot of positions, a lot of games. I want to have this particular talk with you and we don't have time for it as much today as I want to dig through it. So everybody make sure you tune in to this Friday's live Aloha yes, Friday show. Cause cool. we're going to have some more fun with numbers. Um, I went down a rabbit hole today, guys, when we were preparing for this, this segment, <laughs> I went down a rabbit Prepped hole with numbers, forever. It was but, but I will I tell you, I interestingly enough, you bring up Pete Rose and where we would put him. Uh, But if we're looking at the big red machine, there's two guys that qualify Mm -hmm. for this conversation of Red's third baseman uh, that you might take above Scott Rowland or Willie Green or Chris Sabo. Uh, Pete Rose being one of them. Pete Rose, his career as a member of the Cincinnati Reds. Now, uh, again, one could argue what position we're going to call Pete Rose's primary position uh, because there were many, but in his time. In Cincinnati as a member of the Reds career OPS plus of 124, 24% above league average, which is better than Chris Sabo's 111. So if I have to choose between Chris Sabo and Pete Rose, Peter Edward Rose is going to be my draft pick to uh, play third base. But you know who's at the top of the list? He's another Hall, or another Hall of Fame third baseman, another World Series champion third baseman. We're talking about the oft-mentioned, the quite uh, favorably talked about Heine Grow. Way back on the 1919 World Series champion Cincinnati Reds for his career, Steve, 130 OPS plus. Now, there's really a discussion to be had and OPS plus was made to help the discussion of eras and, and how a player from one era, because when you look at some of Heine Grove's numbers for his career, he slugged under 400, which we would normally say that's pretty bad, but he hit in a time when home runs were not a big thing. Like, I think he had a career home run total of like 15 home runs or something as a red which is hilarious to say because he was a red for nine years. So you're talking about single digit home runs and every single year is a red, but everything else that he did, he had twice as many walks as he had strikeouts. He had over 500 walks as a red. He had just over 250 strikeouts as a red. So there, there's a lot of numbers that when you look back at Heine grow, just stick out and say, 
this guy's the best third baseman, but he literally played over a hundred years ago. And how do we rate that in today? Because obviously dude playing a hundred years ago, going up against a 98 mile an hour cutter. Uh, uh-uh, uh, forget about it. He ain't hitting it. And it leaves us with one other guy that I want to talk about. And uh, your dude playing historical era baseball actually is three OPS plus points above this next guy that I want to talk about. But interestingly enough, this next guy was also a member of the Big Red Machine. So if we're going to put them head to head, uh, this guy actually edges out Pete Rose. You know, I'm working my way up the, up the draft. I've gone from having True, Scott Rowland to Willie Green to Chris Sabo to Pete Rose. And now if I can make a trade, I'm going to have to, based on the OPS plus numbers, trade Peter Edward Rose for Tony Perez at third base for this particular conversation. Because during his time as a member of the Cincinnati Reds, Tony Perez put up an OPS plus of 127. And listen to this. You know, in 1970, 1970, Tony Perez won the MVP. Or no, it was sorry, was third in MVP voting, was an all-star. And he did it at third base. He was a third baseman. 127. Which Working is funny because up. everybody knows, even I know, that the whole reason that the the Big Red Machine roster worked is because they moved Tony Perez to first base. Everybody knows that. But it's just funny to look back and see that when he was a third baseman, he was a good third baseman. It wasn't because they, they didn't move him because he wasn't a good third baseman. Four consecutive all-star selections at third base and in all four seasons he received mvp votes that's impressive that's impressive and that is just a taste of some of the things we're going to talk about on friday because we saw some numbers we saw some interesting stuff we're, we're really going to dive into that here on friday but it, it, it's very clear that scott Rowland is a hall of famer but it wasn't necessarily with the Reds because he really wasn't here long enough to make a huge impact. And when he got here, he was in the twilight of his career and he doesn't really rank anywhere near the top of Reds third baseman. All right. Coming up. I am told that Jeff Carr has a question for me about something that Nick Crawl said about the roster. Uh, We're going to get into that and you know how Jeff loves to surprise me with questions and how much I hate it. So we're going to talk about that coming up right after this. Before we get to Jeffrey Carr's questions, I just want to remind you, you can follow us on all podcasting platforms, including right here on YouTube. If it's your first time watching us, thank you. Click subscribe, click the bell, make sure you get notified every time we post something new or go live. I've been having so much fun with the live shows. Uh, Last Friday, I did that solo because Jeff was on a road trip and I'm pretty sure Nick Crawl was listening. He was dialed in. I would love to figure out what his commenting name is so that we can uh, give him credit where credit is due. But I called out the Reds. I said the caravan stunk. They didn't have enough big name people. And the next day they added Chris Sabo. So Reds country, you are welcome. Make sure you're following the show. Uh, in between shows, you can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker. That's with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs because spelling continues to be hard for him. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. There's no Fs in that. 
All right, Jeff, I am told you have some questions for me in relationship to comments made by the boy wonder Nick Crawl about the Reds roster heading into uh, the 2023 spring training out in Goodyear. Yes, our most recent quotes before the Reds caravan kicked off and, and they were doing interviews with players and with uh, David Bell and with Nick Crawl. Before that happened, the last quote we had from Nick Crawl was, well, we'd have to get creative to uh, sign some people and, and bring some people in. Now, Nick Crawl has said the roster's basically set. We're done, really, making additions to the roster. So my question to you is, Steve, should they be? Well, no. Um, the bullpen is still broken. There's nobody to play yeah. outfield. We don't know what's going on. Uh, no, the answer is no. Um, I wonder if this is another case of Nick Crawl not quite being ready for prime time when it comes to giving interviews and talking to the media. Because if the question is, is the roster set heading into the beginning of spring training? Okay, I can get behind that. The, the, we're going to roll with what we got into Goodyear. That's understandable at this point, given the constrictions placed upon him by the Castellini ownership group. If the answer, if the question is, are you done making moves and this is the team you want to roll with into opening day? If the answer to that question is yes, it's just downright criminal because yeah. Nick Crawl needs to be scouring the waiver wires. He needs to be looking for trades late in spring training. He needs to be looking for ways to bolster this bullpen, bolster the outfield, and do it with creative moves, bring guys in that have been cut by a team that would be willing to sign incentive-laden deals that you could get to play in the bullpen, that you could get to play in the outfield. You could get them on the cheap, and then if they do well, you flip them, and everybody wins. Those are the kind of deals, and that's what I assumed he meant when he said they've got to be creative now if the tune is changing to we've signed what we can sign that's terrible so i hope that this is a case of bad nick crawl media relations guy uh getting in the way of a good answer well and and let's be fair as as far down as he was on the list of uh trustworthy PR guys here even just a year ago for him to have jumped and be completely perfect in every scenario that's just that that's a comeback for the ages and that's not really where he is he's not perfect in every scenario you're right this is a scenario where he should have answered differently because throughout spring training there's going to be guys cut there's going to be some dudes that are DFA that other teams fans are going like huh that guy we're, we're getting rid of that guy really the Reds need to be all over that stuff and they need to be all over the guys who are reclamation projects and things like that. And I, I really think that there, there are times when he wants to be direct that he probably shouldn't be as direct as he is, because that is, he's coming from a place of confidence in, in the moves that he's made, which aren't really a lot of moves. And the whole thing of like a lot of their minor league signings are just guys that they're bringing back from last year as you know, their most recent minor league signing was Derek law. Okay. I saw, I saw you on Twitter, how excited you were about that. <sighs> yeah. You know, <laughs> <clears throat> sure. Derek law. Uh, but th this is not a scenario where you need to be, you need to have bravado. Like this is a scenario where, Hey, look, we're, we're going to keep looking because 
let's be honest, this roster's fluid. This was this roster is going to be fluid all season long. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be guys not paying out. I believe that Jose Barrera probably is the opening day shortstop. I also wholeheartedly believe he will not be the shortstop on game 162. So it's going to be changing quite a bit. The roster should never be set for this season. Yeah. And I'm going to dive in deeper tomorrow on as to why I believe. Yeah, I, th- I think this is one of those rare instances where we would have preferred uh, GM speak versus direct yeah. answer, right? I mean, you know, the 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 correct answer in this scenario is GM speak, and it's you know we are never done looking for opportunities to improve the quality of our ball club, and we will continue to exhaust every uh, resource and means available to us to put the best possible competitive team on the field that we can. That's the answer. See, look, again, free stuff for Nick Crawl. The Reds really need to start paying us if we're going to keep writing this stuff for them. I, I, <laughs> yeah. really, I really think that's the case. But no, I would have liked to seen GM speak from him uh, in, in this rare this rare case um this is kind of along the same lines we talked about with the way that phil castellini uh kind of screwed up with the rosy reds group uh you know phil should have come into that room and the answer to every question was ellie de la cruz i don't care what the question is the answer is ellie de la cruz and you just get people worked up and excited and talk about the young prospect and just ellie de la cruz that's the answer like uh, when you're a kid case, in Sunday school is, and you just yes. answer Jesus to everything. It's it's Ellie de la Cruz. It's Ellie de la Cruz. Yeah. And in and in this case with with Nick Crawl, the answer really should have been we're never done trying never to done. improve this team. We're never done. Never done. And I'm going to explain more as to why that should have been his answer based on some some guys and what the plan should be for this roster in 2023 that's coming up tomorrow though because that's going to wrap up today's edition of the locked on reds podcast and thanks as always for making us your first listen now go check out locked on mlb prospects because Lindsay crosby is a veritable encyclopedia when it comes to minor league players the stars of tomorrow for the reds and for everyone in major league baseball that's locked on mlb prospects it's just like locked on reds it's free and available on youtube and everywhere you get your podcasts steve the roster eh, whatever shouldn't be said they think it's said scott Rowland's a hall of famer joey Votto's gonna be a hall of famer and we're like three weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting so what does all of that mean for me and you well that means we're done looking at willie green numbers first of all that's we're done with that But we're going to continue to be uh, locked in on the waiver wires. We're going to be continuing to be locked in on the rumors. We're going to be locked in on potential trades because we're going to keep you locked on Reds every single day. Should we ever be done looking at Willie? Ah, never mind.